Can ghosts feel pain? If I eat a graphics card, does that make me a bionic man? Answers to these questions and more on this episode of This Paranormal Life! Hello! And welcome back to This Paranormal Life, the weekly comedy podcast where every Tuesday we dive into a different paranormal case and by the end of the episode decide whether it's really paranormal or not. You are, as always, joined by me, Kit Greer Mulvena, and my co-investigator, Rory Powers, who's sitting across from me. How are you doing today, Rory? I'm doing great. A lot of great questions asked already at the start of this podcast. You know, when we look at things like the concept of a cyborg, correct me if I'm wrong, a cyborg, is that the one that's kind of half human, half robot? I think so. Right? I mean, does that, in that balance... Do you kind of have to have, you know, a robot arm and a robot leg and then be part human? Or can I just eat a Microsoft computer? <laughs> right. At that point, I am part machine. There's an entire f***ing MacBook inside of my stomach. Well, you know, ancient philosopher Rory uh, did posit on a recent episode because we worked out how much blood was in a human body. And then you posited, OK, well, if there's four liters of blood, if I drink two liters of milk, am I... <laughs> well, no, four liters of milk. Am I half milk, half man? Yeah, yeah, exactly, or something like that. Uh, but the similar, similar idea here. How much computer chips do I need to eat to be a bionic man? <laughs> right, because at any point, you know, you can have a robot. A robot isn't a robot because it can do something, because it can jump high or do math well mm-hmm. or something. It's part robot because part of it is machine. It is a machine. So it's the same with a cyborg. If cyborg just means it's a combination between man and machine, I could just eat a bunch of wires. <laughs> right, not... Like spaghetti. Not even connected. <laughs> spaghetti al Juracel, Uh One of my favorites. What does a cyborg mean? I'm pretty sure. It's like Robocop. You know, he's oh, a cyborg. Oh, it's a, it's, a, it's a combination of cybernetic and organism. There you go. And I'm sure that there are health risks and complications that we should consider before, you know, when would we begin that procedure. But right before we dive into today's episode, I'm going to eat my Apple Watch. I'm going to do it. I'm going to eat it because I really think You can't handle lactose. I don't know if you can handle... uh, (laughs) Mactose. That's when you eat a MacBook from the 1980s. Uh, all right, here we go. Gonna all eat right. my Apple Watch. We'll see how it goes. You're derailing the oh. podcast so bad. You can't even fit it in your mouth. Oh my God. Crunchy. <sighs> yeah, I really, I can, that really hurt on I the I can way hear down. the notifications going off from your stomach. Are we gonna have to deal with this the entire episode? So I, I think part of my new robot powers is the ability to spit blood, it seems. Yeah, I think something went dreadfully wrong. It might have cut up the, the your throat <sighs> on the way down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. we have to stop podcasting, actually. I think we need to go to hospital. I should have taken off the metal wristband, at least. Right. The, oh, the that's actual, not even the, robot. The actual watch bit is just, the, it's like a little pebble. That would have been pretty easy. But actually, the yeah. stainless steel sharp oh. wristband, that was probably the problem. All right. Well, now that I have the your intelligence voice, voice of a cyborg. Is, your voice has been permanently <laughs> changed. You were smarter with the, with the thing on your wrist because you could ask it questions. You're, you're like, it's so clear you're changing your voice to try and sound like a robot. Now that my transformation's <laughs> complete, we can begin the episode. Uh, you know, it's probably a, an episode for another day, but uh, there was a French guy, Mr. Monge 2, who, uh, he had a plane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He ate, didn't he eat like a Boeing 737 or something? <laughs> piece by piece I don't know if years. it was a Boeing, but I think it was a smaller plane. Uh, not that it f***ing matters. Yeah. At that point, we're splitting hairs. Yeah, because you wouldn't say that he is now a transformer. Both, right. Both man and plane. Uh, he was just a dude who ate a plane, so I can see why why this isn't right. We've got to cover that one at some point, but today is not that day. we got a different paranormal case to dive into. Pretty exciting one too. And one, as a little hint, might be for some of our movie fans in our listenership. Uh, A story we're going to get into right after some quick words from today's sponsors. Reminder that all episodes of This Paranormal Life are available ad-free right now on patreon.com forward slash This Paranormal Life. All right, Rory, your skin has taken on a slightly mottled uh, grey pallor uh, since you downed the Apple Watch. Yeah. Um, But... We are running out of time, so I do think we need to power on with the investigation. Are you able to do that? 
I'm ready and I'm excited. You know, anytime we get to talk about horror movies and paranormal movies on this podcast, it's always a blast. Hey, I didn't say horror movies. I said we might be talking about movies. Well, oh yeah, okay. To be fair, we could be talking about a movie production that is a normal movie that has a cursed set. Like like we covered uh, Wizard of Oz. I just don't like when you make assumptions, that's all, because... I don't think that was an assumption. I think that was a safe thing to say. It's, I just, a, it's, it's funny enough. It doesn't I feel like the one getting shit rammed down my throat the way you're trying <laughs> to put words in my mouth. Uh, today, Rory, we're going back to Boxing Day 1973. It may have been Christmas time, but for once, it wasn't Christmas cheer or the season's festivities that had the American people excited. Today was the day that thousands of moviegoers would pour into screenings of a new horror film. So it was a horror film. Yeah, it was, but I wanted to reveal that bit myself. I didn't want you to ram f***ing ideas down my throat. Thanks very much. Uh, Lots of movies do come out at Christmas time uh, and Boxing Day. I've never really understood this phenomenon because I'm normally halfway through a 72-hour food and alcohol-induced coma on Boxing Day. So the idea of heading out to the pictures sounds a little much for me. But uh, is that something you've done? Yeah, I've done it a few times before. When there's a good movie that comes out, Star Wars, weirdly, has kind of become Christmas movies. And then also just Christmas movies have become Christmas movies. So, yeah, I'll, right. I'll do it. Gun to your head, favorite Christmas movie? Uh, it's a deadlock tie between Muppet Christmas Carol and Jingle All the Way. Die Hard coming in close second. Hey, all solid choices. Um, I think I, this Christmas past i think i watched home alone for the first time i'd never right. seen that one before but um yeah big christmas movie household over here too yeah but the early 70s was a great time for horror audiences there had been some bangers come out in the previous few years like night of the living dead a clockwork orange or researcher amy's all-time favorite rosemary's baby Ah. Which I think gives us a disturbing insight into the twisted mind of researcher Amy. But the people weren't ready for what they saw that night. There were graphic medical procedures, bodily fluids, and perverted acts happening before their eyes. And that was just the concession stand on the way into the theatre. It was unlike anything they'd seen before. People were screaming in terror, staggering to the exits to escape, and even throwing up in the aisles. Cinema operators had to equip themselves with smelling salts to help revive passed-out patrons. Oh my god. Ambulances would wait outside screenings to save people the trouble of calling them. What? And if you don't believe me, I managed to find footage of viewer reactions coming out of these theatres in the early days of this movie's release. Oh, I can't wait to see this. I fainted like 10 minutes after the first beginning of the movie. And I walked out and they gave me some water. I think it's disgusting. Why? I don't know, it's just, it's just, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make me want to get sick like everybody says. It just, my legs are just going, and I want to go in the lobby and not watch it. And I have to cover my ears. I have a friend in there alone and I, I, I don't want to leave her in there alone. My experience with this movie has been incredible, especially with people fainting. I've never in my life known a movie where people would faint. I mean, it's hard to make people faint. Whoa! Jesus. A woman just hit the deck. And the cinema attendants are helping her up. As soon as they faint, I get out the smelling salts. And we have two kinds. We have a little bottle with smelling salts, and I uncap it. And I hold it under their nose, and they come to Or else we have the little pellets, and I break them, and then they come to Fantastic movie. It's really gross. <sighs> it's really terrific. Yeah. I want to see if it's going to make me throw up. <laughs> Keep an eye on that one guy who just said, Amazing movie. <laughs> yeah. It was it was people just like head in their hands, depressed, crying, throwing up, passing out in the in the cinema, and then one guy just grinning ear to ear, eyes wide. It's about time we saw a proper movie. There's something so funny about anytime you see videos like this in the past where it's people experiencing something at the time that felt really cutting edge, but now in hindsight is really simple and kind of bad. Mm -hmm. You know, these people are walking out of this movie just being like, 
It's the most realistic thing I've ever seen. I'm not going to sleep for weeks. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you realize the movie that they're walking out of was like... <laughs> Thomas the Tank Engine Part 2. Exactly. Something completely mundane, tiny. It's like when you see interviews with people playing Super Mario for the first time. And Mario jumps and stomps a Goomba. And it's like, I didn't sleep for two days after that. It's like the pixels are so sharp and vivid. I thought I was looking at a real man. <laughs> crushing like, a turtle. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Yeah, the, the, uh, so great. the example I always give is, uh, you know, the original, uh, I think it was the Bram Stoker's uh, uh, Dracula adapted for film for the first time. Yeah. When it first came out in Britain, it was censored. It wasn't even allowed to be shown. They were like, humans should never lay eyes on something this grotesque, this offensive to God. A movie that I think today carries an age warning of 12 years old. Right. I see worse shit on my Twitter feed while I'm in bed. I have nastier shit beamed into my eyes at 9.01 a.m., one minute after I've woken up. Uh, it's really true, especially since Elon Musk took over Twitter. <laughs> I'm just scrolling through Twitter, blacking out in bed. My mom has to run in with smelling salts just to keep me alive. <laughs> this is Rory. And it's because I'm back home in Northern Ireland, all right? I don't always sleep in a bedroom right beside my mother. I usually have my own apartment in a big city because I'm a grown man. I just wanted to clarify that. I want to clarify that. It made it sound like... Sometimes your mum does come to stay. So sometimes even when you're in the big city, she is next to you. Yeah, well, I can't always have her bake the cookies in Northern Ireland and send them to me. So sometimes it's easier to have her stay with me. She she can like... Oh, she's... hmm. I thought she was coming to like visit you or like see the city, but... You make it sound like she's coming to London to bake cookies for you. And, you know, cook and clean and... Look after me and rub my tummy when I'm feeling sick. And Okay, that's insane. Uh, how often is that? Barely at all. Every other week, I'd say. <laughs> okay, so it's so a kind of... You, Sorry so for do, loving yeah. my mother. I'm not going to apologize for that on the podcast. I don't know whether that displays any love for your mother. It shows that she loves you very much, I suppose. My point still stands is that we've come a long way as a civilization, and we've become numb to some of these forms of horror and grotesque media. But back then, this was cutting-edge stuff that would scar people for life. The sensation of this film swept across the entire world as the global release unfolded. The majority of international viewers were as deeply disturbed as the American ones. One woman in a British cinema passed out so hard she broke her jaw when she hit the floor. Oh my god. When she was helped off the ground by an ambulance worker, she looked at him wide-eyed and said, The devil did this to me. Okay, that's quite a leap. The film I'm talking about is, of course, The Exorcist. And it's about a little girl that gets possessed by a demon and the battle to free her soul from evil. It was the most graphic and extreme cinema release by far at the time and it sparked a renewed fear of the devil into an entire generation. Yeah, this was a big thing around this time where everyone was kind of blaming the devil for essentially everything, every new form of media. Dungeons and Dragons, uh, there was a big scare around that. People saying that it was a cult game that was satanic and worshipped the devil. Mm. Video games were becoming popular. Games like Mortal Kombat, they were saying were ultra-violent and meant kids were going to run out into the streets and beat each other to death. Uh, it's a cycle that we that we keep seeing, um, and this was just another instance of it. Rock and roll. Why is it so sexy when Jimi Hendrix thrusts his pelvis and plays yeah. the guitar like that? Must be the devil. What is it now? Vape pens? <laughs> That's like blowing the devil's hell smoke. I don't know. There must be some equivalent now. Yeah, probably. It's probably just the vaccine, prob- let's be honest. Probably the vaccine, Roblox, and being gay, I think, are the, <laughs> the most demonized things in the new age. My three favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> so this thing shocked the world. Home sales of the film were banned in the UK. The outrage in America was compared to that sparked by Watergate at the time, and Christians were pretty pissed off, of course. Some of them even protested. So all of this is shocking to viewers and to us hearing about it today, but paranormal, surely not. Or is it? For the shocked audiences that saw the movie and threw up everywhere, they could at least leave the theater and get on with their lives, safe in the knowledge that it was just a film. 
but for others, the world of the Exorcist would bleed out into their reality, leaving many to believe that the production of this film itself was cursed. Hmm. Because even in the earliest stages of filmmaking, strange accidents would take place, and like all good curses, it started off small. Essential props would be misplaced seconds before they were needed for a scene. Rory, we've all been there. How many times have have we travelled halfway across the world for a paranormal investigation only to be face to face with a demon and uh oh, I forgot my holy water. I mean, a much simpler version of that is I arrived at the studio yesterday and didn't bring the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Right, you called me last week. You said, Kit, I'm coming to Northern Ireland. Is there anything I need to bring from the studio? I said, brother, you're in luck. We've got absolutely everything except... Your microphone. The yep. one thing we need to record a podcast, a microphone, you said, bet. And wouldn't you know it, days before recording, a little f***ing demon must have snatched it right off me. You were in line at Subway when it, whenever you called me, and I, I was worried about how, much, how little you were paying attention to, to the phone call. Because whenever I said, <laughs> can you bring the mic, you said, yeah, yeah, honey mustard. Sorry, what? <laughs> And I'll take the Doritos. No, not those ones. The chili heat wave ones. Are they part of the meal deal? Yes, I'll bring it all. And I... (laughs) You meant you'd bring your all to eating that footlong sandwich. Um, It is true. It is true. That's not a joke. But granted, on its own, in a vacuum, forgetting things, not paranormal. Not that paranormal. But then came the injuries. One-off accidents quickly became a string of unfortunate injuries. Several of the crew were plagued with sunstroke, and one of the electricians lost their toes in a freak accident. What? We don't have the exact details, but presumably, given the nature of his occupation, they were electrocuted to smithereens. He lost his toes? Yeah. My god, that's wild. Hey, look, I've worked, I mean, we both worked on film sets before in the past in some capacity. Uh, they're dangerous places. That's why you have to have health and safety officers and lots of different procedures on set. Granted, usually it means someone bangs their head on a light or steps on something and twists an ankle. Getting your toes blown off of your body is something that would happen in a wizard's duel. <laughs> Not something that should happen on a film set. Right. That, that's, that's, that's a little strange. He was one film set accident away from being turned into a toad. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, and the kiss from his true love would only set him free. Uh, it, it, it's out of this world, which, granted, we are tiptoeing, pun not intended, closer <laughs> to the world of the paranormal here. We're just tipping, apparently, brother. There's no toes to be seen. <laughs> then there were the interpersonal conflicts. The director, William Friedkin, slapped William O'Malley, who played Father Dreyer, before shooting a scene to make the actor's hands tremble for the take. Things almost got physical when the director fired a real gun right by actor Jason Miller's ear to get a genuine startled reaction from him. So illegal. Oh, you kind of got to love the chaos uh, of, you know, the current age. Like you say, Rory, We've been on film sets. We've seen the kind of health and safety measures involved. It's quite serious. Yeah. Um, you know, even in actors' contracts or when they step onto a movie set, there's, you know, hardcore legal stipulations. You know, you know, famously, if you're Brad Pitt, it's written into your contract. For every minute we go overtime on a shoot day, uh, you owe me 50K. You right. Know, these kinds of things. It's very tied up. Um, back then, they were letting it spray. Yeah, nowadays, if you're on a film set and you want to show as much as just a nipple, that is going to be 50 forms filled out, clearance people on set, everyone making sure it's a whole big deal. Back in those days, they were just giving people costumes and not telling them that they were tearaway pants. <laughs> and halfway through the set, they just rip them off you. And see how you could improvise live. That is barely a joke as well. I, I would be shocked if, if we couldn't find a film that that actually happened in. There were no rules. There truly weren't. Uh, thank God for unions. Although this sounds unhinged, behaviour like that from directors wasn't that uncommon back in the day. I'm sure you've heard stories, Rory. One that comes to mind for me was Alfred Hitchcock was pretty famous for this stuff. He would do fun little pranks to the actors and crew on set like the time he uh, tied a bunch of actors up 
for a really long time and gave them laxatives so they would shit themselves on set. Is that a real thing? Kind of funny little ha-has. It's not that funny. That's that's actually, I think, a crime. It's actually 100% real. He did some pretty sick... Uh, they're not pranks. Some pr- He abused his actors yeah. on, uh, on set doing well, these kind of tricks. One of the most famous ones is uh, the filming of The Shining, where Stanley uh, Kubrick famously tortured uh, actress Shelley Duvall repeatedly to essentially make her go really insane. Yeah. Um, you know, requesting that shots be done, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of times until essentially she was having a mental breakdown. And then it was like, all right, action. Yeah. Let's go. Now, yeah. while you're like crying and really having an, uh, some emotional problems, great, let's go. Uh, and quite famously, that was a really difficult thing for her. There were just different rules back then for the worst. You know, that's why there are rules now. Yeah. So people don't have to shit themselves on, on set. I mean, and as we're about to see, uh, you know, real talk, uh, it is sad because what happened to Shelley obviously wasn't isolated. And I think realistically, it probably happened to women uh, far, far more than men. Totally. Unfortunately, history would repeat itself in that sense, Rory. One of the worst accidents happened to Ellen Burstyn, who played the mother of the possessed Reagan. And in the scene where she's thrown away from her daughter, she actually sustained um, a lifelong back injury in the scene. It's said that her scream in the scene is a genuine reaction. Oh my God. Something similar happened to 14-year-old Linda Blair who played Reagan when she was strapped down on the mechanical bed. It was rigged to buck like a bronco to simulate the demon's dark powers. Right. They had done several takes already, but the director wasn't happy yet. Okay, Linny, I want you to take it up a notch. It's all a bit tame. I want it to feel like you're really hurting. Okay, action. The cameras started rolling and Linda did her best to stick to the director's notes. Suddenly, one of the restraints came loose while it was thrusting from side to side, and Linda was being jostled about like never before. Her back felt like it was on fire. Every movement of the bed was agony. Wow, she's really getting the hang of it now. This is exactly what we need. Unfortunately, the louder she yelled for help, the longer it kept rolling. They thought it was the performance of a lifetime. Yeah, look, if your safe word is scream... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if your safe word is please stop, you're going to have a problem. Yeah, all right? ma- you need to make your safe word umbongo <laughs> right. or something that yeah. would not fit Peanut the, the butter, yeah. swordfish, something that you can say that isn't. It's like, all right, uh, you know, it might be a little rough. It might be a little bumpy. There's a chance you're going to injure yourself. So your line is the demon's got me. And uh, if anything's wrong, just say the demon has me. The demon has me. And she, we'll know something's wrong. She's yelling it and he's like, that's off script. I love it. <laughs> Great improv, Linda. Keep it up. Have you ever ridden on a mechanical bull before? Uh, thankfully, no. What about you? I did it once at a bar in LA that has, it's like, a, forget what it's called, the roadhouse, some little cowboy bar. Sure. And uh, you can basically... Pay $5, whatever, go ride this mechanical bull. You watch people doing it, it looks so easy. Oh, I think I'm going to be amazing. Yeah. Even knowing where your story is going, Rory, I think that I'm built different ultimately. Right. I will be able to beat the high score on the leaderboard. You're like, oh, you just got to be like jelly. Just kind of like be (laughs) tossed about, ride that thing like a slinky. I think I lasted about 14 seconds. The the bull did one turn and I I went off like a rocket. It is very difficult. There's definitely Whoa. an art to it. And that was, that was... <laughs> you knowing what was going to happen. <laughs> that was me knowing what's going to happen. And that was a, a horse with a saddle and a harness that is designed to keep you on for as long as possible. And crucially, a bouncy castle underneath you. If you're rigging a bed to do the same thing, that feels like there's going to be naturally complications. That's dangerous. So at this stage, we've had a number of extremely unusual accidents happening on set um, and a lot of cursed interpersonal relations. Uh, I mean... Some, sure, antagonized by the director, but to even add more to that misery, production was insanely delayed due to a slew of problems. The original shooting schedule was 85 days. It ended up taking 224 Hmm, okay. One of the biggest contributors was a mysterious fire that broke out in the studio. 
almost the entire set was reduced to cinders. Except, you know where it didn't burn down, Rory? The only place that didn't burn down was Reagan's bedroom, the one she shares with a demon in the movie. Right. I mean, was it in a different area? Or are you implying that there's- A slightly different area, <laughs> sure. But also possessed, probably. Okay. But you could see how, if you worked on this film, I mean, Rory, you know, you've got a background in theater, you've got a background in film. You know that this is not an out-of-pocket uh, idea, the idea of a cursed production. I mean, theater is one of the most superstitious places on earth. Yeah. You know, you get lots of people in a high-pressure environment like that, and worries start to circulate about things that could go wrong. I mean, uh, you know, the Macbeth curse, um, the, the things that can go wrong or that are famed to have gone wrong on stage. Yeah, it's true. Uh, but I'll also say, you know, one of the reasons is because uh, productions, there is, it's an environment where so much stuff can go wrong. You know, uh, lights can fail, scripts can run long and production time is way ahead of schedule. Shit breaks because it's all cobbled together with nails where it looks good from one angle and in the back it's being held together by duct tape. It's a very dangerous, strange environment to work in. And film is no different. Yeah, and that's also when the director doesn't have a loaded gun. Right, yeah. He sounds like a really bad director. But I do think this point is interesting. We've obviously had a bunch of bad stuff happen already, and we're certainly far from done, but the fire feels like the first bit which is potentially connected to kind of a dark energy. This is the first almost hint of the reason behind things going wrong, the curse. Is this movie cursed because it involves the devil and demons and possession did they say accidentally summon a demon on the movie set you know we should know a little bit about this because through creating entertainment through this paranormal life live specifically mm -hmm. <laughs> we have turned the summoning of demons into entertainment just like they were trying to do yeah we tried to summon a demon at one of our live shows in london uh, and he didn't show up coward that's right, I'm calling him out on the podcast. Uh, I agree, I see where you're coming from. I will say, though, that nothing so far that has happened is something that has been unexplainable. Even mysterious fire just kind of means we don't know how the fire started. Well, Rory, you're gonna have to stay tuned because the curse only got worse. <laughs> you fire a gun by my head? <laughs> oh! Jesus! <laughs> I think he was really onto something. I slap you. <laughs> oh my There's god! There's no cameras. You can't see my trembling hands. Say goodbye to those toes, friend. <laughs> Shortly into filming, actor Max von Sydow's brother passed away. A short period later, Linda Blair lost a family member too. She actually lost a lot making that movie. Not just the functionality of her spine. She got so many death threats once the film was released, she had to be escorted by bodyguards for six solid months. Wow. And needless to say, despite the, the absolute phenomenon and success that this film generated, her career didn't soar after this movie either. Um, if you think you get typecast by acting in a Marvel movie, try getting possessed in the most controversial movie in history. Right. Um, which seems cruel, because if anything, that shows range. You know, most people who are acting, they're still just playing a human. <laughs> right. <laughs> if your whole thing is like, I played a little girl possessed by a demon from another world, and I did such a good job, a woman vomited and passed out and said it was the devil. Yeah. That's pretty convincing. That's a good review for a horror movie. Well, Rory, on that topic, uh, her performance was so good, she was tipped for Oscar for Best Actress. But crucially... Once the news broke and people realized that she wasn't doing the demon voice herself, that actually someone else did the voice and she acted out on screen, they decided she couldn't win and she was passed up. That's so rude. That's ridiculous. Uh, and a fun fact, the demon voice was done by a woman called Mercedes McCambridge, a two-time Oscar-winning actress herself. And I'm not making up this next part. To prepare for her role doing the demon voice, she had to start chain smoking to husk up her voice. She started drinking raw eggs along with copious amounts of whiskey to distort her voice even further. Damn. The problem was she was a recovering alcoholic. 
she made a request that since she was giving up her sobriety to nail this role, she would need a priest to watch over her. Oh my god. Hey, cigarettes, eggs, and whiskey? How come that's basically my diet? And I sound like a f***ing Muppet. Why don't I have a cool voice like a rough cowboy? That's, that's, that's brunch at Rory's. I sound like if Kermit the Frog never hit puberty and he <laughs> stayed a tadpole. Cigarettes, eggs, and whiskey is Rory's post-workout meal. <laughs> that is six days a week for him. Ah, oh, that's not fair. She went fully method. They really had to tie... They actually had to she tie... She went fully method? <laughs> <laughs> that was to change her mind. <laughs> she already changed her voice. <laughs> I'm starting to think that she just wanted to do these things and the role was the perfect excuse. Yeah. Um, it's like those guys who take roles in movies where they just have to get insanely jacked. Right. And it's like, I think you just wanted to have a nutritionist and a personal trainer and all of these stuff paid for so you can just get really swole. And then you're like, all right, that movie's done, but I'm going to, I'm actually going to keep the muscle. Right. <laughs> so that's done now. Yeah, because I've got more Instagram followers now. So right. it's kind of working for the brand. You know, that's what I'm waiting on, Rory. You know, I kind of eat like shit, live like shit, live the life of a rat. Uh, that's <laughs> okay. because I'm waiting on the agent calling and giving me that buff Marvel role. Yeah, you're, you're living the role of a paranormal investigator. Yeah. That makes sense. Going method. You know, that's why, you know, you got that like disheveled look where you look like unemployed, you know, where you look like sure. you've got those huge bags under your eyes. You look like you haven't slept for Robert a, a day in the last few years. Um, you're just out of shape, gray skinned, oh. uh, self-conscious, no, no confidence color. at all. Just a thin, thin little paper man. Uh, but it's acting. But it is acting. <laughs> it's act, yeah, crucially, sorry. But it is acting. But it's it is acting. An act. It and inside, is I have the confidence of a lion and the posture of a god. Yeah. But, uh, but again, right now, front-facing, don't look like you could lift a pencil. Don't look like you could yeah. spell. There's well, such little brain activity going on. I actually on. think they're making pencils heavier. Sorry. I do think that they've gotten... Like, whenever I was a kid, it was light work. But, like, now that I'm older and... You look like if you put on a jacket that was too heavy, your knees would buckle. Yeah, well, it was a leather jacket. It was a real genuine leather jacket. And there were buttons in the pocket, and I the need, buttons were heavy. Yeah, I needed the assistant to take it off my shoulder before I could stand up again. But, but, but it's, that's acting, the size it's of acting, it's acting, it's acting. Uh, they had to tie down Mercedes. They had to tie her down while she was recording her lines. She was going so loco. Uh, the director says that the, his memory of her watching her deliver that dialogue still scares him to this day. Wow. Rory, this is just about the most effed up movie production we've ever heard of on this paranormal life. And we've investigated Willy Wonka, where one of the Oompa Loompas killed himself. <laughs> no, we, di we didn't. So that's saying a lot. We didn't do that. We, we investigated The Wizard of Oz, where one of the lollipop men hung himself, I believe. Close enough. Yes, it was pretty close, to be fair. But there's more to this tale. Crucially, why on earth any of it is happening? And we're going to get into that right after some words from today's sponsor. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. 
All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. We're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here? Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot. And whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. It doesn't take a genius listening to this episode to deduce that the director of the movie is insane. Like, we can claim that this film is cursed or whatever, but the guy went full Alec Baldwin mode and shot a real gun on set uh, just to freak someone out. Yeah, never a good idea. But as unhinged as they were, they weren't always an agent of chaos. Even they realized something was going wrong. Things were so bad that the director had no option than to get a priest to exercise the whole production. This is 100% true. He got one of the film's uh, priest consultants to do it. This is so messed up. Father Birmingham wasn't technically qualified to perform an exorcism, but he did agree <laughs> to talk to the cast and say a prayer to then bless Don't get the him set. to do it. Don't, if you're going to do it, get a real priest. Don't get like an actor playing a priest because I feel like that's not going to do the it. The director gave the priest a gun and said, any demons, shoot them on sight, brother. <laughs> This is like this is like if during the production of Avengers Endgame, as it goes on, the director between takes actually starts hiding behind Iron Man because Thanos is looking pretty big and buff and he's getting a little bit scared of his army. Right. He's like, someone needs to remind him it's not real. Yeah, none of this is real. The art directors did too much of a good job designing the Infinity Stones and they work. <laughs> so Thanos <laughs> is floating six feet above the ground. <laughs> All the, audi- the audience thought he was CGI. He's not. He busted out of the f***ing Mac Pro in the editing suite, and he's real now. That's so funny. I mean, this stuff must happen all the time. If you're shooting horror movies, presumably the set and the world that you're in is going to be just a scary one. You know, if they're filming Blair Witch, and it's all handheld camcorder footage out in the woods in the middle of the night, that's going to be a scary set. I agree. I mean, it could go either way, though, couldn't it? Because... I would say that the people who've worked on this, probably if they specialize in that kind of wardrobe, that kind of makeup, that kind of sound design, etc., they've probably worked on horror movies before. So you could also argue this should be light work to them. So the fact yeah. that things are going nuts, um, I don't know what that says. I, I don't know either. It seems like this is just a bad production. The story goes that after the blessing, after the exorcism by this priest, uh, the paranormal events, the cursed events, calmed down and stopped. Maybe the prayers had worked, scaring away the demons. But in reality, it still might have been all too late. This movie kills nine people. Whoa! Lee Cobb played Lieutenant Kinderman. He dropped dead from an unexpected heart attack after the movie came out. He was only 64. Barton Heyman was Dr. Klein. He passed away from heart failure at an even younger age, just 59. Veteran actor Jack McGowan was cast as the main priest, Father Karras, killed in 1973 by influenza. The same year the movie came out, actually. Actor Vasiliki Maliaros died before the movie even came out. (laughs) A background actor from the movie, Paul Bateson, killed a guy, stabbed him to death while the movie was still filming. What? I mean, at that point, where are you finding these people? Yeah, you got a director shooting a gun on set. You got extras murdering people in their spare time. This is crazy. It's a bad environment. Like, it definitely calls into question the meaning of saying a movie is cursed because this movie's cursed. We can argue over whether it's paranormal or not, but it's cursed. Yeah, but also you've got yourself to blame. That's like bringing together milk, eggs, flour, and icing and sugar, and then being pissed off when you end up with a cake. Brother, you made the cake! My you brother, baked the cake! My brother in Christ. Uh, <laughs> I would disagree with that. It's like going to Subway, putting a bunch of meat and salad between two pieces of bread and being angry when you end up with a sandwich. I would disagree with that, but um, allegedly the murderer 
confessed about the murder to the director, William Friedkin, but he didn't say anything until he got caught. <laughs> That's crazy. This is a movie by criminals for criminals. <laughs> it is absolutely insane, which honestly, I'm kind of here for. I Like... Let's look at, you know, look at the rap world. Look at the home of hip hop in Atlanta, Georgia today. You know, two of the biggest rap artists in history, Young Thug and Gunna, um, just got put away for a long time. Uh, That's because these guys live the life in the streets and then they make the great music because it's so authentic. Right. We're just seeing the same thing here. We get a bunch of psychos (laughs) to make a movie about psychos. I guess, but... I mean, in theory, the smartest thing would be to just get some really good filmmakers <laughs> who are really good at making movies and can make a good movie about anything. You don't have to actually hire criminals and madmen. Hire actors who are really good at playing criminals and madmen. In fairness, they didn't know the background extra was a serial killer. Uh, but if I'm going to a birthday party that's pirate-themed, I'm going to hire actors who can dress up like pirates. I'm not going to charter a flight to Somalia and get a boat full of men to come to this party because they're real pirates. Now, the thing is, though, it will bring a layer of authenticity. Yeah. If you bring the Somalian pirates. But it might also have some unintended consequences. They drink all the punch. Yeah. They steal They steal your wallet. Yeah, exactly. They'd probably kill a few people as well. Take some people hostage, sure. Bad party vibes. But Rory, if the exorcist really was cursed, then I want to know why. Uh, what we're missing here is our motive. Well, it turns out that the exorcism at the heart of the movie was actually based on a real-life exorcism of a little boy named Robbie in 1949. A boy possessed by the great Pazuzu. Ooh, Damn. As fun as Pazuzu sounds, and it does sound like a smoothie chain, he's real. Pazuzu is a demon described in Assyrian and Babylonian mythology as the demon that brings famine during the dry seasons and locusts during the rainy seasons. He was the king of the demons of the wind. And although they don't say his name in the movie, he appears as a statue in the film. Pazuzu sounds like a Gen X word for describing like a really good butt. (laughs) You know, like, like, damn, Sh- Shorty got that Pazuzu. <laughs> like, that dude is caked up. Look at that Pazuzu. Yeah. Look at that Pazuzu jiggle. You've angered him. <laughs> you've angered him. Obviously, you've angered him. Uh, is it possible that Pazuzu was angered by the film and cursed the set of the movie? They are playing with fire, making a movie about a real possession, about a real demon, in theory. Are they invoking his wrath? People don't say shoddy anymore. <laughs> they, they do. They, they absolutely don't. Do, do they still? <laughs> well, I mean, I we don't because we're sitting here in Northern Ireland, so we don't have too much reason to say shoddy. Sorry, I feel like I was getting distracted there a little bit thinking about that song, you know, shoddy's like a melody, melody in my head. Great right. song. Great song. So um, what were you saying? Sorry, so about the... Don't call Pazuzu a shoddy. Well, that's all I want. That's all I want to ask. <laughs> Don't call a demon your shouty. And I know that you've got into your head what this word means, but he is an Assyrian bird god, the demon of the the king of the demons of the wind. I know oh you're thinking god. of Ron juicy asses. Yeah, thinking about whether or not I have he that doesn't, pazuzu. He doesn't have one. So because in the right pair of jeans, I think I got a I got a pazuzu. <laughs> don't you don't <laughs> a forbidden fruit? You just want to take a bite out of. Please stop talking. (laughs) I'm starting to feel like this podcast set is cursed because Rory's brain is stuck on Pazuzu mode. In the final line that we'll hopefully hear from director William Friedkin, he said, I feel to this day there were forces beyond me that brought things to that movie, like offerings, fate. Please tell me he didn't make any more movies. <laughs> That's a great question. Let's see his uh, filmography. Yeah, because I mean, the problem is if this thing was a hit, odds are he was approached by more studios to make more movies. Well, he's still with us, age 87. Damn, well, two years before The Exorcist, he made The French Connection. Whoa. Well, you know what they say, a good director is only as good as 
the spines of the child actors <laughs> they employ. <laughs> so if you cause irreparable damage to a child's back, yeah. you're a bad director. Yeah. I, I, I don't feel like that's a controversial take. Right, right. Rory, we've really reached the end of talking about all the events that surrounded the supposed curse of the movie The Exorcist. But the one thing we haven't been able to talk about a ton is the actual paranormal phenomenon at the center of this story, the point of the movie itself, exorcism. It's something that we talk about all the time and have covered in previous episodes, but we don't actually know a ton about it. It's a pretty secretive world. It's uh, something that I don't know if people even are aware still happens in different pockets of the world. Yeah, probably more often than you might think. Uh, but thankfully for us, here in the commune, we do have an official holy man. Uh, in one of the last times we talked about an exorcism, a real Christian priest got in touch saying that he had actually been a part of multiple exorcisms and was able to fill us in a little bit more on what goes down. And I actually messaged them about this case. They haven't got back in time, so I'm just going to withhold uh, their identity. But dude, if you're out there listening, let us know and we can give you a shout out next week. We're going to just withhold their identity because, again, you said they haven't got back, so they could be out on a job. So, Mark, good luck. Nope, hope it's all going Mark. well. Name's not Mark. Or what did I say? Mark. Well, oh, Mark? No, no, no. Um, well, uh, I'll, just, I'll just bleep it. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. We'll, we'll, we'll call him Steve for yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Steve. Mad. And we won't use his oh, name. Oh, Jesus. We what need to bleep I? all oh, of them. shit. Sorry. This is going very poorly already. He wrote that the process of an exorcism depends very much on the denomination and he can only speak to the Anglican and Roman Catholic churches. Right. Saying that he's participated in three exorcisms, which is extremely rare for a priest. What, that few? No. I... <laughs> he's like, usually it's hundreds. I'm fighting off demons with a machine gun on the weekends. <laughs> three is nothing. Sometimes we just go on IG Live at the weekend and just get people with possessed relatives to just, just open their f***ing phones and right. hope that it does something. They're just doing drive-bys, going past graveyards and opening fire. He says that two were clear cases of mental illness as far as he's concerned. Yeah. One was not. He also wrote that it's important to understand there's a couple different ways this can play out. On the one hand, you have demonic oppression, vivid night terrors, changes in behavior and attitude, a change in core personality, which is usually where an entity attacks a person wearing them down over time. Demonic infestation, on the other hand, usually refers to a specific place that for one reason or another is where the earthly and the supernatural coincide, like a break in space-time. This is a lot more than I thought it was going to be. Finally, there is demonic possession. Got it. Where an entity has entered and taken possession of a person. Got it. But he says, this is the rough process. A family member or friend will refer a supposed possession or attack to a priest. Then the priest investigates. They do an interview. Then medical and psychiatric professionals run full batteries to find any possible psychological explanation. This usually weeds out most cases. We want there to be a modern scientific explanation. Unfortunately, sometimes there aren't. There are specific warning signs to look for, such as preternatural knowledge, speaking ancient or dead languages, changes in voice or expressions of abnormal strength. Once all the steps have been completed, the case is brought to the bishop, who will consult with the team to decide whether to continue or not. Exorcism is rarely a one-time event. It usually takes a considerable amount of time. Right. Isn't this absolutely terrifying that this happens in the real world today? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not qualified enough to speak about this. Uh, you can see why this is such a big thing in history, of course, because uh, in the past, you know, especially when religion was much more prominent in society, uh, that's how the world was framed for everyone. And when you had people who had, you know, were suffering with mental illness or health complications, that was the easy answer. It's a demon. There's a possession. We need an exorcism. Um, and as he said, a lot of the cases probably that even come up today are people struggling with mental health issues. But ultimately, there's some little weird things in there that he mentioned where it's like if someone's speaking an ancient language that there is no way of them knowing. I don't know, man. I'm leaving the room. 
because because something's happening and I I'm not part of that conversation anymore. I'm uh, I'm someone who's not educated enough on what's going on to even have an opinion about it. I'm done. I think th this is what really fascinates me about religion in 2023. You know that despite all our modern advances, there are small pockets of modern life that have still not been answered by science, for example. And in our priest listener friend here's case, he's saying, look, 99.999% of the time, it's all fine. He's like, I'm with you guys. It's all fine. <laughs> but, but he's like, but who do you call in the 0.00001% of the times? You know, I remember seeing in a TV program where they went to um, Lourdes in France to an extremely famous Catholic pilgrimage site. And they talked to, you know, the resident scientist who, who works there because people travel there. Uh, for miracles to happen. I remember this, yeah. Yeah, I think it was on uh, Down to Earth with Zac Efron. Yeah. Uh, on Netflix. And uh, and it was a very, very similar conversation. He's like, look, almost no one has jack shit happen to them. The, the people that do get healed, for example, of their illness, uh, quote unquote miraculously, there's always an explanation. They're getting treatment elsewhere. The sickness went away for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. But we have a folder. Right. <laughs> we, we keep a folder. Of the of the one miracles. of the one in a million miracles, where we have fastidiously explored every possible scientific explanation, and it defies all explanation. That's yeah. the that's the reason we're here making this podcast. Is the zero point zero 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 one percent of times when shit doesn't add up. It's like the UFOs, the military. Yeah, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, it's all fine. We know what it is. And sometimes a green orb flies <laughs> through a rack and no one knows what it is. Sometimes an egg picks up a family <laughs> car and throws it across the road. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah, it's 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 funny too, you know, on this podcast, we're quite famously very open-minded and excited about uh, the world of UFOs and extraterrestrial life. And then the second we talk about a ghost, it's like, get get out of here. That's mm -hmm. a complete lie. That's nonsense. So it's, it's good to be giving that side of the paranormal its uh, fair treatment for once. But I didn't want to get bogged down in, uh, you know, the exorcism itself, the exorcism that the movie's based on, or even just the process of exorcism. Uh, we want to focus at the end of this episode of This Paranormal Life on the movie The Exorcist, on the supposed curse that surrounded the production. This is one of the most, you know, famously disturbing, crazy movies of all time and was certainly surrounded by a lot of misfortune. But we have to decide whether or not there was a real paranormal curse that came out of this thing and ruined people's lives. It's a no from me this week. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's a no from me this week. And I don't even think I really need to say why, but I will. Every incident that happened in today's case was explainable by human error, by humans. Sets going on fire, things breaking down, production taking long. I mean, some of it was specifically human error. The bed being too rough that it hurt the girl's back and when she said stop, no one stopped. That's not a mystery as to what went wrong there. I can tell you exactly what went wrong. What about the deaths, Einstein? The death is a little bit mysterious, but also what, when did you say this was taking place? When 1973. 1973, I mean, it is recent enough that that is a strange thing. But, I mean, especially someone dying of influenza. I don't think that was a real illness that was affecting a lot of people in the in the 70s, mid-70s. Mm. I could be wrong, but it seems old school, right? Um, I don't know. But um, I guess that's the only part of it that seems a little bit suspicious. But aside from that, I think what we're experiencing today is workplace negligence being tied into a horror movie. The fact that this thing was so horrific and had such an impact culturally, that being wrapped together with people who are not doing their jobs very well and doing it irresponsibly is creating this as a curse. It's being done as a curse. If four people died on the set of f***ing Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, people wouldn't start asking whether or not magic is real. It, it means the production was bad and troubled. So I, I don't know. I don't think there's enough today to say that this is genuinely paranormal. Yeah, it's a problem we have with pretty much any curse case is when does correlation become causation? Uh, you know, I, I earlier name dropped Alec Baldwin. This is a recent example of stuff going wrong on a film production. It was the movie Rust. We all know the story where 
a gun went off on set and a and a woman was tragically killed and it rocked the world and and the news went around the world. It shocked people because it was unbelievably pointless and tragic and it was caused by uh, I haven't studied the case but it appears to be just like negligence on the part of particularly the armorers why was there a loaded gun on set yeah there's people who their entire job is to handle guns and make sure that there aren't any bullets in the gun when someone's pointing it uh no one is questioning. I'm sure there's a paranormal podcast out there that is questioning whether Rust was cursed, but we ain't. You shouldn't be listening to that podcast. The point is that uh, Rory made a great point earlier. Movies are some of the most complicated and chaotic industries in the world. Yeah. Uh, and things can and will go wrong. They made uh, an incredible and creepy movie and sadly uh, people's livelihoods and health were damaged along the way. Yeah. That's why it's a double no. It's a double no this week. But always good to go to Hollywood, brother. <laughs> oh, the glitz, the glamour. Yeah, it wasn't very a glamorous peek into Hollywood life yeah, in today's episode. It was a bit dark, I will say. But that's what you f***ers come to this paranormal life for. Yeah. For the dark, the dungeons, the ghouls. <laughs> and for that juicy Pazuzu. <laughs> <laughs> they, they ain't coming to us for Pazuzu, brother. <laughs> They're going somewhere else. It is not this paranormal life. They've seen the cover art of the podcast. They know that we're aging twinks at best. <laughs> so hopefully all this talk of Pazuzu does not curse us um, in some way. Hopefully we get off scot-free, like when we tried to summon Payman live in London. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for listening to this goddamn bloody episode all about The Exorcist. Um, go and watch that movie if you ain't seen it. And if you aren't of frail constitution, you should be able to handle it now in 2023. You know, and if you want to stay on the train of cursed movie productions. Uh, I mentioned earlier we did a great episode uh, a while back now on the curse supposedly surrounding the production of The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Crucially, it's over on patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life. That is one that most of our listeners haven't heard, but it's right there waiting for you. Yeah, it was a great episode uh, covering not only <laughs> the troubled production of The Wizard of Oz, but also a conspiracy theory that Walt Disney <laughs> was actually the director of the movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, maybe that will give you a laugh. We we, we kind of f***ed up some crucial information no, no, in recording don't tell the episode. Them that. Just yeah, cut, we got it wrong. Just cut this, cut this. Yeah, it's we, fine. Yeah, we made some mistakes, but that's kind of funny in itself. So if you want to hear one of the biggest bloopers of all time <laughs> that we couldn't cut out because it was too big. I talked about it at length. Head on over to, to patreon.com forward slash this part of my life where there's... Even Tons more bonus episodes. Uh, we've brought out we've brought out one every month for the last five years. How do you like that? So yeah. there's a lot now, um, sixty or so, and we do weekly after parties too. There's a lot of those as well, where we go behind the scenes and discuss the making of this show. It's great stuff. Uh, if you want to uh, become possessed yourself and have to have an exorcism performed upon you, you wouldn't want to check out those bonus episodes because listening to them is going to do something to your body, and it ain't going to be good. But of course, one of the other rewards that we give on Patreon to our listeners on the $20 or higher tier is a shout out at the end of the show. I'd say we round out with it. Rory, what do you say? Let's do it. Thank you so much to Joey Sergei Cottrell. Joey the Sarge Cottrell runs his life with military precision like a goddamn sergeant. That's cool. Breakfast at 0600 hours. Really, Sharp. Really early for breakfast. When did he go to bed? Granola, no no milk. No time for milk. Milk doesn't keep in the desert, so we can't have milk. Is, he, is he in the desert? Hell no, but you have to be ready for any combat environment at any time. Uh, nap time, 6.05. I'm really t I didn't get enough sleep last night, so I'm going to go back to okay. sleep. So wake up to eat nap. a dry bowl of granola and then fall asleep again. But not a lot of nutrients in the granola either, so I'm pretty, pretty tired, pretty weak. Sleep till 11.05. All right. It's time or, to or so, give or take 30 minutes. It's time to ease up, Serge. That's not very strict at all, then, if it's give or take 30 minutes. Unemployed currently. <laughs> so kind of lay about, play Xbox. Shout out also to Brent McNamara. Brent McNamara, a potential brother to uh, famed famed big wave surfer Garrett McNamara, who surfed the biggest wave of all time. Um, wow. Luckily, uh, he's got a Pazuzu so large, his center of gravity makes him perfect for surfing. <laughs> he doesn't even need a f***ing board. 
Just the, just the sheer displacement of water means he can just stand in the ocean. His giant rump, a dunk a dunk, <laughs> keeping him upright. It's an incredible feat, uh, equally impressive and sexy. Thanks, lastly, today to Optimus Prime. God damn, we got a Transformer listening to this podcast? I mean, does when Optimus Prime listens to podcasts, does he put AirPods in his ears or does he become a truck and play us through the speakers? Through his radio, right? Yeah, yeah. that's an interesting question. I like to think he plays it through the radio. Yeah. And then like, he's like laughing along like, honk, honk, honk. I mean, that's how Bumblebee did it, right? Bumblebee talked through the radio, which was really smart. Yes, but that's because he f***ed up his voice box, I'm pretty sure. Oh, really? I think he did some sort of accident. Damn, Transformers lore. Yeah, there you go. People come here for everything. Thank you so much to Optimus. Thank you to everyone who uh, supported us on Patreon. We will be back with more shoutouts from next week. And back before then, over on Patreon with the After Party on Friday. Until then, we'll see you on Tuesday for a brand new Paranormal Tale. Bye-bye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.